about this? These two. These two people. Uh, I am geeking out to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Mark. Jasmine. What a nerd. Nerd alert. <laughs> Unleashed television. What are you talking about? Anything can be a podcast. Video game. <laughs> what is a geek? Oh, hi, Mark. The whole point is, of course, the plot is. You guys have great conversations. Uh, I am geeking out. Unleashed. Movies. People love movies. All right, you guys, podcast time. You're listening to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Part of the security badass, we take our passions and our fandoms and we turn them into conversations with you. Oh, it's podcast time. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed, this is episode 138. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. Each week on the Geeks Unleashed podcast, we, um, we catch up on our pop culture lives and we bring you a review of something adapted from the comic book or gaming world. We do. And before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We would also very much love it if you would leave us a five-star review. Oh, no, wait. Oh, sorry. If you like this video and subscribe to our channel. That's the wrong script. My bad. Uh, and if you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We would also love it if you would leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Equally, please feel free to contribute towards the running of this podcast. You can donate funds towards our Ko-Fi. Um, Link is in the show notes. Okay. Buy, buy us a coffee, buy us a comic, buy us a movie ticket. Everything helps. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So rolling into our kind of new feature, yeah, our, our Geek of the Week. Love it. So do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, I, I mean, this week was a new release manga week for some series that I follow. So my geek of the week this week is a manga called Black and White. It is volume seven. The series is about these two actors. Uh, they're both men and they're dating each other, but they like nobody can know that they're dating because it'll tank their acting careers. Um, this seventh volume kind of gets more into like some of the shadier things that are happening behind the scenes that they don't quite know about so it's kind of like a love story but there's a bit of like kookiness um it's kind of a comedy um and it's also got like this serious like little element to it so it's a it's a fun little read but uh be careful it's definitely 18 plus because when they ship it it comes wrapped in plastic (laughs) (laughs) um i'm only time to read anything this week unfortunately um however i have I don't even know why I did this. Randomly, Uh-oh. randomly decided to go all the way back to 1995. And I've watched almost within one week. I don't know how I've done this. Within one week, I've watched almost two seasons of Sliders. From That's a lot of watching for you. Usually it <laughs> takes you like, you, you're usually like a three episode a day kind of person. Uh, yeah, no, I've done more than that. <laughs> so, uh, within a week, I've, I've watched quite a lot. So that was... um. Uh, is it Jerry? Is it Jerry O'Connell? What's his name? Um, oh, is he in Sliders? Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. So Jerry O'Connell, right? Okay, the stars of it are Jerry O'Connell, uh, Sabrina Lloyd, John Reese Davis, and Claire Vo- Claire Claire. I don't know how you say his name. Um, something Derek's. Uh, anyway, premise of the show. The show. The premise actually stands up now. It's a very simple premise. A clever student scientist guy creates a device that allows him to travel to parallel worlds um however as it as they do within the within the first half an hour him and his friend and his professor mm-hmm. go with him something goes wrong they also end up bring, they also end up bringing a fourth person and they have this thing on the device they can set a time limit on how long they stay on their earth but the earth they arrive on uh, has a tornado heading their way, so they panic, alter, override the timer to go to their next Earth. However, because they fiddled with the timer, they didn't go back to them to their, their Earth. They go to another Earth, and essentially now they're on an ongoing journey home. Mm. They have no idea whether there is a hundred Earths or an inf- infinite number of Earths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume most likely is an infinite number of Earths if if you're able to is that how multiverses work well if there's parallel earths i would assume there's uh, an infinite number anyway 
Uh, I've all, I'm getting towards the end of the second season. Mm-hmm. Now, I did watch Sliders back in 1995, and I, I watched, I think, the first two seasons pretty consecutively. Yeah. However, I started to drop off in season three and four and five. And, and you know, uh, I, 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 I'm aware of various cast changes throughout three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd tune in and be like, who's this guy? Where did <laughs> that guy, where did that person go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so and I just, yeah, I don't know why, I just randomly decided to put it on. And I'm I'm really enjoying the, the flashback to the 90s, if I'm honest. So. Interesting. So you're enjoying the bad CGI and all of that? So the CGI is awful. Um, <laughs> uh, however, what do you know what? The one thing that really has got me, and I'll, I'll stop talking in a minute. The one thing that's really got me is each episode, they arrive on a different Earth. Mm-hmm. And obviously each Earth has its different thing. Like one Earth has prohibition still exists. Another Earth, the male population has been reduced to ten percent. Um, yeah, another, there's another uh, uh, another Earth where um, only females have all the lead roles. You know, like like female president, female CEOs. And I want to go to that Earth. Men, men are like <laughs> men are men are like the coffee people, and you know, and uh, you know all this kind kind of stuff. And um, uh, yeah, and then there's another Earth where Russia has taken over America. Uh, there's another Earth where San Francisco is a prison. Um, uh, another Not a very Earth. big prison. San Francisco is a seven by seven grid. Like it's a very small <laughs> place. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't think the people of San Francisco are probably quite happy to. It was, yeah. well, it was basically they made the whole thing prison. Uh, there's another Earth where San Francisco actually was a nature reserve for dinosaurs, um, and they they had a, there was they're exti- they're they're endangered species and and stuff like that. Okay. Um, that episode the CGI was awful. Uh, so, <laughs> I imagine the dinosaurs uh, <laughs> back in '95 were terrible. Oh, oh yeah, it was like if you like, didn't have Spielberg's budget, your dinosaurs were terrible. No, they they were they were fairly awful yeah. dinosaurs. But no, one of the things that got me was there was a lot of episodes where they build up um, story, obviously the characters on those Earths, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes they'd leave you hanging a little bit as to what happens next with those people, or they might tease oh. it a little bit, and yeah. uh, and you know, kind of you obviously never get to revisit those Earths, and I and and the sad thing is because obviously the te- the technology they have takes you to a random earth there's no real way of ever going back to those people right if you can't um, plot it yeah yeah and, and yeah no i just i i never really thought about it back then but yeah just it kind of just caught my mind thinking oh i'm not gonna ever find out now <laughs> there's, there's several teasers of things they leave yeah kind of open to those characters so but no anyway i'm, I'm enjoying it and yeah, it's terrible CGI and the characterizations I've noticed are not the strongest. Yeah. Like, it, it, really, within the main group, mm-hmm. um, they seem to do a lot more with the people they meet rather than their core group. So, Interesting. Anyway, that's why. I never, I mean, I vaguely remember the name of the show, but I never ever watched it back then. <laughs> Would you watch it now? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's hard enough going back and watching stuff with like the bad CGI. Like even last week we talked about the first blade. Like there was some very questionable CGI in that first blade movie. Like, and that was 95, no 98. So Mm. yeah, it's just this day and age, like we're spoiled. Like it's getting so much harder to go back and watch those bad CGI films. Oh yeah. I mean, um, I, I think, um, they, they had the vortex that opens um, to, tra- to parallel worlds. Uh-huh. Is sometimes when, they fall, they fall out of it, and sometimes when you see the bodies sort of rolling out, it's almost like they they speeded it up, kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. And I, I just and I, I just wonder how they do it because, like, like the character Arturo has got to be about fifty, and then you see him like doing somersaults out of a vortex. I'm like. <laughs> how have they done that like how have they like it, it, it's not great so yeah um anyway well i'll leave it there i would love to know if people actually have, love it and watch it like i did yeah so, yeah anybody else um, that was a fan of sliders hit us up let us know yeah am i missing so, out on anything tell me uh i'd love to i mean if you want to watch the pilot <clears> let <throat> me know what your thoughts are so um, <laughs> um anyway we'll move on to this week's main event so uh blade two from 2002 so it was about four four years later so uh written by david s goyer uh directed by 
Guillermo del Toro. Toro. Yeah, I know. I kind (laughs) of like that to say his name. Anyway, uh, based on the characters from Marvel Comics. Yes, and it stars returners Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson. Newcomers, we have Ron Perlman, Leonora Varela, Norman Reedus, and Luke Goss. Do you know anything about Luke Goss, by the way? I know that he is the prince in Hellboy 2. That is all I know about him. Oh. <laughs> so Luke and his brother formed back in the, I can't remember, 80s, 90s, uh, a duo boy band called Bros. Shut up. <laughs> a boy band? Oh, my God. Okay, I have to look this up. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, so this is quite a weird thing when this happened back in the night, well, early 2000s. When... So did you know who he was before this movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Bros was massive. Bros is massive over here. Bros was really? massive. Yeah, Bros was a massive boy band, like boy band duo. Like, do you want to? Well, I say the next couple of bits, you can Google it if you want. But yeah, Luke, Luke I am going to look it up. I'm looking it up right now. I, I, I was actually wondering whether you knew this before we started recording. So I was waiting to say it. And anyway. Uh, first appearances, Blade was Tomb of Dracula, issue 10 in July 1973, created by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. Release date was the 22nd of March 2002, uh, with a running time of 120 minutes and a budget of 54 million US dollars. And it made back box office 155 million. I mean, it's. Spoiler alert, it's the highest grossing of all of the Blade franchise. Um, But I was surprised that the budget didn't go up that much. Like, they still managed to do a lot with not that much. Hmm. I think the last one was 45. Yeah, it was 45 on the last one, and it made 131. And this, I mean, so they're, like, running neck and neck. Like, they made about the same amount of profit. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you you find your your bros? They had... 13 singles that they released like they were that's a sizable number of songs for a band (laughs) that is so funny i had no idea no i recognized him when i saw hellboy 2 i was like oh my god that's the guy from blade uh but that's not my that's not my recognition (laughs) that's the guy guy from bros i was like that's the guy from bros that is so funny oh my gosh Oh man, no, I had no clue. So there you go. Look, more a surprise fun fact for you guys. Uh, there was a boy band member, former boy band member in Blade yeah. 2. There you yeah. go. All right. So the rest of the fun facts. Okay. I it has been so long since I have seen Blade 2. It is not a film that I return to because back then I did not enjoy it that much. So I really only rewatched the first blade. Um I had completely forgotten that Donnie Yen was in this movie. Like, when he popped up on screen, I was like, well, shit, it's Donnie Yen. What is Donnie Yen doing here? <laughs> um, but he has, like, a, a non-speaking role, and basically he's just muscle. Like, he's part of the, uh, like, vampire elite squad that Blade is in charge of throughout most of the film. But I did not also know that he was one of the fight coordinators for this film, um, which is a surprise to no one because Donnie Yen's martial arts skills are top-notch. So actually Donnie Yen and Wesley Snipes were fight choreographers for the film. There were two other guys that were also choreography, uh, fight choreography. And uh, on the DVD commentary, Wesley Snipes even mentions that <laughs> because there were four different fight coordinators um, or choreographers, fight choreographers, that they had a friendly, quote, friendly rivalry I guess they were trying to see like who could come up with like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, did you, was there like a per, one particular action sequence that like jumps out at you at all from the film? But I, I don't know. I forgot on the spot now. Um, uh, the beginning, to be honest with you, was, was the, at the beginning where, um, you know when they're um they're in their base and they're the two that they're, they're uh, oh yeah 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 they're covered up and they sort of have the fight at the beginning in front of the yes. lights 
Um, <clears throat> that I thought was pretty cool, but that's also where I noticed that there was clear CGI. Oh my god, yeah, the CGI was horrible there. We'll uh, talk about that later. Well, yeah, but that 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 battle I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I love the reenactment that we had. Um, it was kind of a homage to the first movie where they were in the nightclub. Um, oh yes. So, which I also thought was funny because the vampire leaders were very much against those meetups but deacon frost was doing them and yet there's no deacon frost now and they're still carrying on so yeah i don't know it wasn't deacon frost wasn't yeah it wasn't all to blame there i suppose yeah um but no i loved i loved that that fight scene um to to be honest i I enjoyed them all like what Uh, the one that i really liked the most was when we first get that fight between Wesley Snipes and or in a blade and Nomak. It's it's the same sequence. Like it's at the club, but it's like when they get to the church part of the club. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's on the on the yeah, uh, when they're the, fighting on the rafters and stuff. On the rafters, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like that sequence was coordinated by uh Donnie Yen. And anyway, I just thought that was so cool that they that they were acting, but they're also like the the fight coordinators. But I also think that that is a huge testament to both of their martial arts abilities um so that was something i thought was cool so everybody pretty much i mean i'm okay maybe i'm projecting but like when i think wesley snipes i think blade first and to wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar second right that that that's my like wesley snipes hierarchy <laughs> okay <laughs> um but Everybody that has worked with him so far, there's there's drama for the third film, which we'll get to later. But everybody that has worked with Wesley Snipes as Blade, they all say the same thing, that he is so like into the character that it's almost like he, the character is him. Like he mm-hmm. he is Blade. Like the two can't be separated. Um, David S. Goyer even said that he understands the mindset of Blade better than Goyer could have written it. And Del Toro even said that if Wesley changes something on the fly, it always comes out better than what they had scripted because they all felt, and they trusted him enough as an actor, like to take the character and do what he thought was best with the character. So, I mean, it was just like, everybody was just kind of in awe of how much he embodied Blade, like while they were filming. Um, and Wesley Snipes even said that this one, the second film, was his favorite of all of the Blade movies, which is surprising to me. I don't, I mean, I don't know why. Maybe because like the second one is not my favorite, but it's surprising to me that the second one was Wesley Snipes' favorite. A lot more happens in this film, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Easter eggs. Now, I will admit, I didn't catch any <laughs> of these Easter eggs. Like, as I was watching the film. Um, But given that Del Toro is directing this one and Del Toro also directed Hellboy, um, there is a scene where Scud is wearing a Bureau of Paranormal Defense t-shirt. It's just the logo. It doesn't actually say Bureau of Paranormal Defense, but it's the logo of the Bureau, Um, which obviously, again, is from Hellboy, which... Hellboy was already in development when Del Toro directed Blade 2. It's just that Hellboy didn't come out for another couple of years. Um, so that's that's one Easter egg. Uh, also, if anybody remembers that little medallion that Doctor Strange wears in the first mm. Doctor Strange film, the Eye of Agamotto, that church sequence that I was talking about earlier, that stained glass window that breaks, that window had the Eye of Agamotto logo or emblem on it. So there's a Doctor Strange connection there. Um, another, this is, I mean, this is not in the film, but like David S. Goyer, who's the writer, wanted Morbius to be the villain for this film. And Marvel said, no, you can't have the rights to Morbius. So that's how we got the Reapers and Nomak and all of these other characters. But Goyer really, really, really wanted a Blade and Morbius face-off. Which I am now wondering, like, are we going to get a Blade and Morbius face-off in this new Blade film that is coming out at some point? Hopefully it, it has gone through, like, directors, like, people go through water. 
That's another conversation. I think, for I think, day. I think, well, I don't know. I guess if Sony wants it to happen, I suppose it'll have to be another Sony Marvel collab. Yeah, I think it'll have to be like an end credits or something like we got with Venom and Spider Man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that works because Lord knows Morbius is not the kind of thing that is going to build a franchise because that movie tanked. I don't, I don't really know anyone that enjoyed the experience of watching Morbius. <laughs> So I don't really know where Sony's going to go with that one, but um, let's see what else we got. We got, uh, oh, so there's uh, also one point in this film where someone refers to Blade as the man without fear, which is also a direct quote to the way that Daredevil is described in just about all of his things. So lots of MCU connections in there. I mean, I wanted to throw one last thing in actually. So when I watched this film in 2002, um, it felt to me like a very like British invasion film. <laughs> so, you know, the character Assad, mm-hmm. um, he's played by Danny John Jules. Over here, he in the UK is very famous for playing the character Cat in Red Dwarf. And you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. So <laughs> Red Dwarf... <laughs> Red Dwarf is a sci-fi comedy, which I think started okay. in the ni- in the nineties. Um, the character of Cat that he plays is a h- human-looking, <laughs> uh, but it's basically a cat that evolved over like a million years into what looks like a, a human. Uh-huh. Um, so, so he's called Cat because um, he was a cat <laughs> like, and. <coughs> And uh, yeah, you should like, if you don't know anything about it, honestly, you should type in Red Dwarf Cat and just see some of his clips. And so Red Dwarf is a complete, it's like a sci-fi spoof comedy. It went on for okay. years. It literally <laughs> went on for years. So, um, And occasionally they bring it back every now and again for like a TV movie or, or miniseries yeah. or something like that. Um, I haven't kept up to date with all the more recent ones, but I used to love it when I was a kid and uh, like early 20s and stuff like that. And I used yeah. to always watch Red Dwarf. So when I saw suddenly I saw I'd take his mask off, I was like, that's cat. I was like, <laughs> I was like we had Bross and we had Red Dwarf in there. And... You were just tripping down memory lane, weren't you? Well, no, just at the time. It was just amazing. Even when I watched it today, I was still like, that's Bross. I was like, that's cat. I was like, <laughs> but yeah. um, anyway. Uh, summary of this movie from IMDb is Blade forms an, une- an, an uneasy and uneasy alliance with the Vampire Council in order to combat the Reapers who are feeding on vampires. That's actually pretty pretty accurate. That's pretty spot on there. Mm-hmm. No, it's good. It's a good little summary. Well done, IMDb, <laughs> for actually having something that actually says what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love how their, their summaries normally have give you no idea what it's yeah, about. Yeah, so. nothing. Like, not related. It's like, man, normally it's like, man, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out yourself. Yeah. Um, anyway, overall thoughts on this movie. Uh, I'll go first, actually. Okay. Um, I, like you, I rewatched the first one many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. The second one, I've rewatched <clears throat> probably a handful of times. Mm-hmm. And actually, I really liked the film back then, but I just obviously, I don't know, just didn't rewatch it as many times. And watching it uh, this week, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember the last time I watched it. So there was a lot that I'd forgotten. I knew, yeah. I knew, I knew, I remembered certain things like Whistler coming back. Mm-hmm. And I and I actually did remember the scene at the beginning with um, the two sort of ninja vampires coming in, that little fight at the beginning. Completely forgot that Norman um, uh, from the Dead was in it. Yeah, that, yeah Daryl was in it. Um, and I, I forgot all of that. Uh, uh, I remembered obviously the the Reapers. I, rem- I remember Bross was in it. Um, uh, you know, I remembered the whole team up thing that that was going to happen. I remembered all that. But anyway, what I loved about this movie was that it was kind of split into lots of different moments. And in honesty, it quite it felt quite continually action packed throughout. It didn't seem to really let up. Yeah. Uh, and I liked really that we kind of just went from action to action. But equally, they managed to. Cl- um, cleverly uh, carry the story progressed through the action mm-hmm. and we could all yeah and i and I, I think they they actually did really well like, i'll be honest with you i loved 
the introduction of all of these new characters and they they juggled all the new characters as well yeah okay we didn't find out much about any of them yeah. um but you're never gonna in a in a blade to action film yeah. where where they have to team up to kill reapers right um and i yeah i, I don't know i i really loved it i actually realized i think if i'm honest i think i love it more now than mm-hmm. i did when it came out okay i can I see know. that I, I am the complete opposite. Uh, <clears throat> watching this film this time, but also having much more of Guillermo del Toro's like videography under my belt. Mm-hmm. This movie to me is so distinctly del Toro that it almost doesn't feel like a Blade movie. It feel, it's it's just like I don't know. To me, it's a del Toro film. It's not a Blade movie. Um, the set pieces, the decoration, the character design, it is, it all has his distinct signature to me. Like when we get Nisa and, um, the other, uh, Assad come in and when they're in their like ninja costumes, they look exactly like Abe Sapien. They look exactly like Abe Sapien. And I was just like, Every everything about this is is just so heavily stamped <clears throat> with Del Toro's signature kind of style. Um, that I guess watching the first film and this film so close together, it was so jarring. And and because it's so Del Toro, like the the sets almost feel like this movie takes place before the first film. Like the sets somehow, it somehow looks like we have gone back in time. Like it does not seem like we are in the same setting or same time frame as the first film. Like this one, everything feels a bit older to me. Um, and again, it's not, it's not that it's a bad thing. Like it's just like, he's such a unique signature with, with all of his films. Um, and of course, because he reuses a lot of the same actors like Ron Perlman and the guy who plays Rush. Um, also, you can spot them in Pacific Rim. <laughs> they are together in Pacific Rim, which is a Del Toro film. It's just like, there's so much of his personality in this movie that I had a hard time watching it this time without the Del Toro glasses on. Um, I don't know, this time around though, it was the setting was in Prague for most of the film. And yeah. I guess that's uh, why it feels the, a bit older. Yeah, I think the set piece is, yeah, that, and that, I think um, I liked the fact, though, that this wasn't purely set in America. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing, by the way, nothing against America. I love America, but I love the fact that we, we, because vampires are everywhere, as we yeah, established yeah. in the first movie. Right. So it was great to see that they're not just in New York, <laughs> you know, that they are in places like Prague and, um, london as we get to go to later on in the movie and um i like so yeah maybe that that helps with the set pieces thing but no i do agree with you in regards to del toro he's very similar to there's obviously other actors like um tarantino who recycle yes. the same actors yeah uh yeah no I, I adam saw that. sandler uses all the same people all the time yeah so i guess why so not? to me it was just like um, all i'm saying is like this this time because i'm so much more familiar with del toro than i was in 2002 like it it feels very different like mm-hmm. uh i mean i i still enjoy and what I, the the one thing that i like the best is probably the design for these reapers like mm-hmm. i thought that their whole like jaw opening up at the bottom is so flipping cool like <laughs> so like his you know his creature design is still phenomenal i love his creature design um but i just it was just really hard to not see but i guess that's the point like when you watch del toro films like you want to see a del toro film you know like just like you said about tarantino like you watch a tarantino movie you want to see a tarantino movie um so to me again this feels like a del toro film not necessarily like i'm watching late i was a bit like that with um tarantino's last film once upon a time in america it felt like such a different tarantino film yeah, it, it was it was Tarantino, but normally Tarantino is quite well known for the bloodshed, mm-hmm. and 
there was none of that until like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. It, it was a really quite a different take on a movie. But yeah, anyway, I know we're not talking about Tarantino, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, yeah. like um, I agree with you in regards to there's a lot of Del Toro signature <clears throat> marks here. Mm-hmm. And again, also the recycled cast that he tends to, yeah. I, I, I could see that as well. Yeah. Um, but the style of this movie was very different to the style of the first movie. Yes. However, it did incorporate a lot of the world building that was established in the first one. Obviously, the yes. familiars, mm-hmm. um, how they have the logos and their glyphs on the side of buildings that you can go to for safe housing. Right. Um, uh, yeah. It does. The... It does well to carry over all of the mythos from mm-hmm. the first film, right? Like it, 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 it. There's no gap in knowledge in like why can they do this in the sequel when they couldn't do that in the first? Like, there's none of that. There's no questions as to why things are happening the way that they're happening. Oh, um, no one just suddenly was able to make things invisible. Out of egg, oh, we're not going to talk about that. But yes, that <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> like, so I think it's very continuous. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think now, again, just having more of his films under my belt now, I think this is probably was my sticking point when I first watched this film in 2002. I just... I didn't enjoy it as much because stylistically to me, it was so very different than the first film. So when I went into it, I didn't get what I was expecting. And because I didn't get what I was expecting, which is my fault, right? Like I went in with all of these expectations, but like it did not meet the expectations that I had set for the Mm -hmm. sequel. Yeah. I've tried, I think I, I think I liked it back then, but I'll obviously I'll come when we summarize, I'll come to, my overall thoughts on the movie but um but yeah anyway so uh there's a lot of characters in this movie mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna quickly shout some of them out because i also love some of their names okay so, yes obviously wesley snipes is blade yes obviously we have whistler um yes. but here we go so ron perlman plays Ra- reinhardt mm-hmm. uh leonardo leonardo plays nissa mm-hmm Obviously, our former, well, our, our Walking Dead member plays a character called Scud. Uh-huh. Probably, probably the worst name. Um, our elder vampire is Thomas Dan- Yes, Thomas oh, I couldn't say it anyway. Uh, Bros plays Nomac. Uh-huh. Uh, which has Tar- like the most like basic ass name of like this super like super new race of vampires, and his I name know, is Nomac. Nomac. Like, <laughs> uh, we've got Trooper, uh, which I like. I That's will up. always think of him as the dude from Fast and Furious. Like, it doesn't matter what he's in. He was in Transporter. He was, like, in all these other things, but he will always be Vince to me. Um, we've got Assad. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, like you said, obviously, Don- Donnie Yen plays Snowman. Yeah. And and we've got... Lighthammer. Uh... <laughs> I haven't got the Lighthammer yet. Lighthammer, <laughs> pr- Priest, uh, Ver- Ver- Verlaine, like, uh, Rush, Jigsaw, like, yeah. Gollum. Yeah, they've got uh, anyway. wild names. Also, uh, Priest, not his first time playing a vampire because Priest was also one of the antagonists in Underworld. He was one, oh, of, the, he was one of the vampires oh. in Underworld. He was, he, in know. the first film, he was he, he was the he was the foil to the Lycan. Oh, okay. Yeah. All, all of those names, like before we talk about, like, do you have any favorite cool names? Like, oh, from those? yeah, but Lighthammer. Like. <laughs> 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 And, and when that dude showed up and he had like this freaking gargantuan like Thor's hammer that had a spike that came out of one end and his whole face was tattooed. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen with this guy, but he's my favorite Like <laughs> of, of this little troop of weirdos. He's definitely my favorite. Also, fun fact, that guy is Czech. His accent was so thick that they dubbed all of his speaking lines with someone else because the test audiences could not understand what he was saying because his accent was so thick. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I, I, so to be honest with you, I I, I love Donnie Yen Snowman. Yeah. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. Like, I, I love that. <laughs> um, so of all the characters, we can talk about Blade separately, but outside of Blade, do you have yeah. a favorite character? Nomak. Nomak. Gotta be. I, you know me. I love a good villain. I love a good villain. And he was so ruthless. Like, mm-hmm. he was not a monologuer. He was not, like, a... Like, he was not that campy villain that just wastes time doing stupid stuff. Like, he was very, like, down to business every single time he was on screen. 
And I just really liked his no bullshit approach to everything, like everything, the blood bank at the very beginning. Um, and again, like I just, I thought I keep doing the motion for the people that are like watching on YouTube, you can see it. But like, if you're listening, you can't. But like just the way that their mouth opened and like that first time that he bites another vampire, it was just like, oh, this guy. I like this guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, yeah, I, I loved his attitude. Like really, I thought he had a, to me, he had a really, he was a really good villain because he was not on this weird like bullshit. He was very much like, look, here's the deal. I'm actually helping you out. So are like, are we enemies? Cause like I'm killing vampires just like you kill vampires. So like, what's the problem? Why can't we be friends? <laughs> um i i i I do agree with you the monologuing that uh, the villains tend to do does get Mm -hmm. annoying after a while um uh, and there was not a lot of that he did obviously towards the end start to give away Mm -hmm. uh some of his origin which he did to whistler and then showed up at the end for a bit of a confrontation but he didn't even the confrontation he didn't spend 15 minutes telling everybody what he was going to do to them right yeah there was about a minute of it and that was about it but Mm -hmm. Um, but no, in all honesty, um, my favorite character was Norman Reedus. Uh, <laughs> I thought I thought Scud was great. I was disappointed by the twist yeah. that he he was a familiar. Mm-hmm. However, I'd I'd forgotten about the twist that he mm-hmm. was a familiar, but I, I I saw it coming once they talked about the elder uh, saying our person on the inside. And I thought, well, everybody on the inside is your team of vampires. So yeah. you're either trying to allude to Whistler or or right. um uh either trying to allude to Whistler or or Scud. And yeah. I thought it's obviously not gonna be Whistler. So yeah. um yeah, so Scud. Like I, I thought he was good though. <clears throat> I thought the chemistry between him and Blade and Whistler was great. Well like, yeah, the the antagonism between him and Whistler, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah it was definitely. And it was a shame that he turned out to be a familiar, but yeah, but he uh, got his just desserts. <laughs> he definitely did get his just desserts. So, anyway, moving on from there. Um, actually, before we move on, so during the first movie of Blade, we got actually mm-hmm. a lot of backstory on Blade, and we got to see you know his mother and everything. There was a lot more characterization in the first one. In this movie, there wasn't really any characterization. It was much more action. Uh, yeah. Have you got any actually thoughts on the character of Blade before we move on, or just? Um, I think this one it's very much like we met Blade in the first film, and we got to know Blade in the first film. So this one is very much like this is the mission, and this is what we're doing. So it didn't really feel like there needed to be very much character development for Blade mm. because there was a bigger issue at hand. Like, I, I don't feel like we missed out on anything if if that's kind of what you're... Like, I, it, I guess I was not interested in having any more backstory on what was happening. Like, we knew he was... He spent a lot of time looking for Whistler. Uh, and we knew that he knew something bigger was going on. He just didn't quite know what it was until he discovered like the Reapers. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think, I think that's enough. Like, I don't. Oh, no, I wasn't necessarily meaning that, but I, I mean more. Well, no, I, I was quite happy that we didn't get much more on his backstory. I think that was fine. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking more like his character. Cause I noticed that he definitely used more comedy. in oh, this. Yes. Um, but no, it wasn't, he didn't become comical. Mm-hmm. But like when I loved it when he got introduced to um was it the blood pack or whatever and he's like whoa like you know yeah. like da- like taunting them and like yeah. uh, and he's quite straight faced normally yeah Wade. so I liked that actually it's almost like the confidence of the banter came out I quite yeah. liked that like that that okay I can that, see that, that evolution yeah. that evolution of his character because in the first one he's very you know, dry he was, ver- he was very dry very wooden mm-hmm. you know didn't want to really connect with anyone uh and clearly the, the love for him and Whistler the fact that he that that <laughs> was his main goal was finding mm-hmm. Whistler you know which was kind of really his family yeah but then I, I loved seeing that um uh that bond throughout the movie but i love the fact that you get to see just the humor as well as the action from him so well you know it's funny uh, there's a point of contention there because del toro in and this if if anybody still has dvds like the dvd commentary on this one del toro makes jabs 
at David S. Goyer and his writing style. And he said that he took issue with some of the more obvious lines in the film. And he specifically called out the line when Blade puts that explosive device on the back of Reinhardt's head. And Del Toro is like, essentially, he's saying like, we get it. Like the audience doesn't need you to spell it out line for line. Like that that's what you did. Like they're smart enough to deduce <laughs> that that is what has happened in the scene. Uh, <clears throat> so there was a bit of a like disconnect between Goyer's script and Del Toro thinking that some of those things were over the top. So like the fact that you brought that up, that's really funny to me. Um. Uh, that's something that irritates me as well like like and you you see it you see it used quite heavily in comics where um the illustrator has illustrated a scene mm-hmm. that my eyes can see and, and then the writer the speech bubble and, but then the writer is writing what's happening yeah. and you're like but i can see yeah what's happening what's happening i get <laughs> like, it i get it and um like tom king is quite well known for that so anyway <laughs> um during the movie, did you have any favorite scenes or anything like that? Favorite scenes. Um, so I did really like the I mentioned it earlier, that fight sequence at the church and the rafters. <laughs> but of course, I also loved the over-the-top, extremely dramatic, slow motion, like swan dive at the end where Blade falls into the vat of blood. Um before he comes out and fights Reinhardt again. Uh, so Mark's having a Cooper moment. <laughs> I should have put him, I should have put him away before I started recording. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, no favorite scenes for me. I do you know what? I know it's not an action-packed scene, but I actually quite liked uh, the scene where they get the Reaper on the table. And they start cutting him open, and all of the um, like the sort of blood pack and blade and scarred and everyone are, are working on the body together, and and kind of trying to find weaknesses within um, their sort of their new enemy. Mm-hmm. And and I like the the intelligence of the vampires to actually try and work out how to kill their new enemy. But I love that yeah. at that point they were a team, <laughs> blade and scarred. Um, yeah. And I actually, I, I thought it was quite an interesting dynamic. And, and it was nice to see for a period of time yeah. them forming a team. So see, seeing that was not, yeah, it, was, it wasn't an action scene. It was actually kind of, I guess, yeah. development development yeah. in the story, really. And, and and actually it was clever setup as well, because later on when they explained that the, the heart was encased in bone, right. however, on the side you can get through. Yeah. And they, they ignored that whole thing for most of the movie mm-hmm. until right at the very end when Blade did have to stab <laughs> through the side, side mm-hmm. uh, to kill off Nomak. And that, that, that's something that I quite enjoy when you do see clever, clever setup like that. And when it uh, comes back and like has a payoff. Yeah. Versus yeah, it just yeah, being yeah, like random exposition. So in this movie, is there anything you would like to cut or change or anything like that? I, like, I, I want to say that I would have cut out the whole like love interest thing. Between uh, Blade and Nisa. Yeah. But I mean, like. I quite liked it. I kind of liked it. And I really did like that she was very out of it. She was like, look, he bit me, but like, I really want to die a vampire. <laughs> So like, let's go watch Sunrise. Um, I don't know. I just felt like for someone who was the daughter of someone so powerful, she just didn't seem very powerful herself. Mm-hmm. And I think that just kind of bugged me. Like, I, I guess I expected more, especially with that intro that she had with Assad and like the way that they were fighting and all of that stuff. Like, I just expected more from the character of Nissa, and we just never got it. Um so that was kind of disappointing. I wish we could have they could have re- reworked that to make her like as important as the script seemed to make her. Um, and I don't know why. Just like to me, it just didn't come across on screen. I, I was kind of rooting for her to live. If I'm honest, I was hoping that um, she wasn't going to get it. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, I was a bit disappointed <clears throat> that she she got it. So, but. Um, Anyway, uh, I did enjoy, though, that she seemed to soften towards him 
Mm-hmm. Um, because at the beginning, it was very much, you know, we've been training to kill you. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I love that blunt introduction. She was like, oh, well, I already have a team because we've been training all this time to kill you. So <laughs> we, got, we got that part covered. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing I would say in regards to a change kind of fits in with actually the question you've added next. So you said, how does this compare to what well, the question yourself is? How, how, how does this compare as a sequel? And does it do well to set up a third film? So I would say in regards to a change, it's actually to the second part of your question about setting up a third film. Mm -hmm. It doesn't set up a third film at all. And that's the one thing I would have had them do was some sort of end credits or, or, or even, even, even if it was after Nisa died, Blade, you see Blade walk back into obviously the chamber where her father was and, Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe he sees something written down that alludes to the villain of the next movie. I don't know. I don't know. Something, something or yeah. And also, what would have been cool was because obviously in the third film we meet Wiss's daughter, and like it would have been good to have had so- something from Whistler at some point. Maybe say something about yeah. Maybe halfway through the film, give an indication of you know, he wants to now track down his daughter or maybe you see a photo, actually maybe, because we see him put his wedding ring back on, mm-hmm. but what would actually, do you know what would have been cool is if he'd mm. have pulled out a photo of his family, which showed like, you know, the, the family again, just as a bit of a, yeah. a you know. so I know he made a reference in the first film about uh, a vampire yeah, toyed but, with. Right, but like, that's what I, that's what I didn't understand. Well, in the third, like, he said that his family was dead and he watched them die. Like that was what yeah. the vampire made him do. Like, uh, so I can't, get... we'll have to, yeah. When we watch the third, when we watch the third film, we'll have to, they'll obviously, they'll obviously dig themselves out of that hole from the first yes. one. But he said something in the first film about the vampire that said he made me, he tried to make me choose which one died first. And mm-hmm. he definitely, the way he'd alluded was that they were dead. I think there should have been some indication of something, mm-hmm. maybe, I, I don't know. Like there could have been some clever setup for the daughter because yeah. she's going to be in the third film, as well as the villain. I think I think definitely setting up the daughter and the villain of the second one would have been what I would have changed. I'm not saying to change the film or ruin the film, but it could be something just like, again, just a simple thing about the photo, like seeing the photo of the family yeah. or or... <laughs> You know, or maybe even actually, do you know what would have been cool is, you know, the vampires that were being Whistler up. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a cool moment where they say something about his wife being killed. And then and then he's like, my wife and my daughter or something like that. And then maybe they just don't say anything. Like maybe maybe those vampires know that his daughter was alive. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what happens in the third film now, but... I think that would have been cool if those vampires had made an like, alluded to the daughter being maybe yeah. held prisoner somewhere or having got away, mm-hmm. uh, uh, something like that. Like, and then that could be Whistler sets up, you know, I want to find my daughter or something like that. So yeah. that would have been a that actually would have been a cool end to say, you know, now we've killed them all off. Those vampires alluded to my daughter being alive, and that could have been Whistler yeah. and Blade's next thing. Yeah, I don't know that that some clever. You know, not to change the film or the structure or anything like that, but just to add in an extra minute of dialogue, you know. Yeah, but instead the only post-credit anything we got was him going back to find Rush, which yeah, is the vampire them. that he met at the beginning of the film and then kill yeah. him. Like that was it, as opposed to actually yeah, mm-hmm. giving us more story or alluding to more story at least. I think just an extra minute or two just to set something up. Yeah. Which, which again, but I think that's the trouble with a lot of these early comic book films. They were definitely one and dones yeah. um, with no real forward planning. And that. So how did yeah. you feel it compared as a sequel? Um, I mean, I think story-wise, it, it's very continuous. I think it did well to everything that we learned in the first film. It's, you know, applied in the second film. My biggest issue is that stylistically, they are so completely different. Like, mm-hmm style wise they they don't line up at all and again you know different directors so that's to be expected but like it's to me it's a it's a very jarring like visual experience from the first film to the second film um 
but otherwise character story all of that kind of stuff i think that carries over very well so i'm i'm split on on if it's a good sequel or not so part of me is yes and then visually no okay um i i realized watching this to uh well we finished it before we recorded actually i think it is actually quite a good film like i would say it's why well, i'd even say it's a really good film i really enjoyed watching it um i love the constant change of scenes and and motions and set pieces and um and i love i actually really enjoyed the much larger character base that we had um i thought it was great and and in in some ways i love the fact that there was I would say multiple villains. We had Nomak, we had Reinhardt. Uh, you know, we we juggled different villains rather than it being one. And it wasn't like um, it wasn't like they did in the early days with Blade. Uh, sorry, with the Batman films and the Spider-Man films, where they tried to one up by having two villains in each movie. Yeah, these villains didn't take up all of the screen time, but right. there there was multiple foes to watch out for. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I think I enjoyed it overall as a as a as a sequel. And and it almost really is slightly standalone once you get yeah. past Whistler's reintroduction. Yeah. So. All right. What do you rate it? I'd give it a four out of five. Is that the same thing you think you would have rated it back then? I can't really. Uh, to be honest, I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think I would have rated four out of five. I think. Okay. I think because I do remember enjoying it. I just. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the first one. So, no, do you know what? I think I probably would have given it actually less, three and a half, maybe three, 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 three and a half, probably. I actually really did enjoy this movie watching it this week. Okay. I'm I'm the opposite. I think when I watched this movie for the first time, I probably would have given it a two. Uh, watching it this time, I'm going to go three. Oh, so you you did go up as well. I mean, I went up, yeah. Yeah. Up four. I, well, yeah, I'd, I, yeah. yeah. I'd say it's probably a three not- last time, yeah. Not on the level of the first film by any means, but no. it, uh, I would say it is not as bad as I remember it. So next episode, you may have guessed what's going to happen. It's <laughs> going to be the third Blade movie, Blade Trinity from yeah. 2004. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if anyone saw that coming. Right, anyway. Surprise. On, on social media, you can follow us everywhere, but mainly Instagram. However, we are on Facebook and X as well. Oh, right. Heck. I know, we should change Formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and you For, can get formally, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, formerly. Say, that's what, it should be it's called formerly known as. Yeah. Oh, X. Nobody calls it that. No one calls it X. No one Nobody calls it, calls anyway. it that. Um, and you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you for listening. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.